Welcome back, guys, to episode two of season one of Black and Empowered, the podcast. Period. In this episode, we are joined by two very special guests today. We have our host. This is Dr. Aisha Metzger. Brianna and Leticia are back, as well as our two surprise and very special guests. I think we're going to start with Song Association, and then we'll have them introduce you guys as well. Okay, who's going first? As you remember from last time, I rule it this game. Okay. Stop saying this. (laughs) 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 Oh, brother. Oh, are they going to play with us? Correct. Oh, period. Okay. It's a family affair. I already told y'all. Don't don't look. Oh, period. Okay, okay. You you started, mommy. Okay, so we'll tell you their names. You're going to hear their voices. They are lovely. Are joined by V or Violetta and Dominique. Like I said, so the way song association goes is basically I'm going to win, so don't worry about it. But to say a word, a random word, and you will have 10 seconds to say a song or sing a song, rather, like perform it to the best of your abilities. that has the word in the lyrics or the song title. Okay. Y'all read? So, I don't remember how we... Did we do an order last time? We just, it was basically like, mommy picked a song, a word for me, then I picked a word for you, and then so on and so forth. So, okay. 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 So, I will pick a song for... I did Brianna last time. So, now I'm going to pick a song for Leticia. Oh, no. Or a word, rather, for Leticia. And then we will go around. Oh, the pressure. I'll be nervous. Okay, I'm ready. Your word is crazy. Do I have to sing it? Yes. Yeah. Okay, Crazy in Love by um, Beyonce, but I'm so nervous I can't think of how the song goes. And I'm going to get kicked out of the beehive because I should know that. I can tell you the outfit. <laughs> I can tell you the dance moves, but I can't think of it because I'm nervous. Unfortunately, this is not the choreography challenge. Okay, this wrong episode. If Ashley was here, then maybe you could get something for that. But we're not. That's not what we're doing. I feel like we should accommodate all um, performance styles. We're an all-inclusive podcast. Yeah. I mean, you can start from uh, 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 uh. I mean, it don't take much to get there. I feel like I should get my point because I got the song. You haven't sung a note. <laughs> okay, in song association, you have to sing. I feel like this is unfair because I can't work under pressure. All this time that you're talking, you could have been singing. I mean, the time is already up, sweetie. Mommy's already want the point, sweetie. Okay. You stop. You technically stop the timer at the at listing the song right i was only at four seconds but you got a thing to get your point look it's so crazy in love got me looking there it is i said come I almost got kicked out of the beehive, honey. Yeah. Yeah, keep that pause in there because I wanted to know how long it took her to see this. <laughs> right. If y'all can see her face, the blushing, the nerve. Okay. In my point. 
That's your point. Period. Okay, so now I pick. Mm-hmm. Okay. What I'm gonna pick for Brie? Hmm. Coffee. <laughs> what? Coffee. What is that a bad one? Should I redo it? Do you know a song with the word coffee? What? I know Kelly Rowland has a song called Coffee, but I don't know how it goes. Okay, okay, a new one. I'm going to give you a new one. Greek. I was like, girl, if you can't even sing the song, then you can't give me that word. That's not fair. Grits. Grits. Yep. And I do know a song with that. Rich? Grits. 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 Ask the grits. Grits, like the thing you boil on the stove. G-R-I-T-S. Getting points, so you might as well stop counting because I don't know what now. Got that Jill song. Somebody be talking yeah. about when she sing grits. I thought you would have known it. That's why I picked it. That definitely. I know what song you're talking about, but that, that's racist. <laughs> that was V. That was V. By that was V. Right. Very racist. <laughs> yeah. Why you didn't give V grits? He wouldn't have known the song. <laughs> give the Atlanta girl. Give the Atlanta black girl. Thank you, B. <laughs> Whatever. Even what you said, B wouldn't have known it. You don't know. How you know B don't listen to Jill Scott? You don't listen to no Jill Scott. You don't know that. I didn't know that. Exactly. I do stereotype. Do you listen to Jill Scott? I don't, but okay. I know. Exactly. Now okay. We. Anyways. Okay. I'm gonna pick B, and the word is fly. It's what? Fly. Fly. F L Y. Um, I'm like a bird. <laughs> <Fly away>. <laughs> <laughs> good job. That was a good one. That was good. <laughs> non traditional, very good song. Ooh, I mean, don't okay. pick a song for mommy. Ha ha. Wait, we gotta pick a song. We can pick a song. I'm saying at the end, Dominique gonna pick a song for you. How you know V was gonna pick Dominique? That's racist. <laughs> oh, I must pick the other Spanish speaking person. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, let's see a word. Door. Door. Now, y'all ain't talk shit about the word V gave them me, but you talking No, because I got songs for door. What? Oh, um, I see a red door and I want to paint it black. The colors. Da, 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 da. Yeah, that song. Excuse me, Dominique. Who's saying it? Rolling Stone. Period. Wow. Yeah, you better have a range of her. My girl said I got the best. <laughs> <You> <laughs> Period. Dominique got good music range, though. I know. Uh-uh, I need somebody else to give me a word. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared of Dominique. That was great. Okay. Um. This is an easy word. Bell. 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 B-E-L-L. Won't you ring my bell? Hey, ring my bell. Hey, 
but when she told me that I like emailed literally every psych professor at G GSU and I was like do you need a research assistant do you need a research assistant and finally this one person um, Lauren Adamson took me I started working with her and I, she's like one of my best mentors like I still check in with her regularly so that's how I got into research and since then I've been in like lots of lots of labs and volunteered many many hours but it's been amazing I love it you touched on this and I was kind of wondering when y'all were in undergrad did you know that you wanted to get a PhD or like when did you decide that's what you wanted to do well for me um, I think once I got involved in research I started liking it more and I think uh, when, when I first got out of undergrad, I, I got a job as a counselor in an inpatient facility. And I was uh, kind of like working, I think, Tuesday to Saturdays, just doing clinical work. And then on the other two days, I would volunteer at a research lab because I knew like to get a graduate degree, I had to show that I was interested in research. And I think when I started doing clinical work, I was just like, this is not for me. Like, I just thought that there were a lot of uh, legal obstacles. I, I worked at a juvenile facility, basically, that was inpatient. And it just seemed like there was a lot of, uh, I guess, system problems that prevented me from providing the type of care that I would have wanted. And even though that was in such a limited setting, it was like a seven-week period that the kids were in this inpatient facility. And it was still very limiting. Like, you just couldn't do anything unless a judge told you you could. And um, I also saw like a lot of disparities, like most of the kids that we had were black or brown kids and um, the the white kids that were in it kind of got better treatment from being having insurance, having resources. And I just it was a, it was emotional. It was um, I just couldn't do it. So I thought like research was like one way that I could help change that. And so yeah. V kind of goes into, you know, like what her transition was coming out of undergrad. And, you know, a lot of times like me and Leticia are unique in that we came straight out of undergrad. And so V highlighted that she kind of went and worked before she actually made that transition to graduate school. So can you tell us a little more about like your transition and what that looked like for you? Yeah, so when I was an undergrad, I thought that clinical psych was the only track that I wanted to be on. And I was like, I want to help people. I want to be involved with people. Um, I volunteered at a hospital for a few weeks in a psychiatric department. And I was like, okay, I can handle this. And then I, um, as a post-bac after graduating, I started working at the Brady Trauma Project that's associated with Emory University. And there... I always knew I was interested in trauma and traumatic experiences just because of experiences in my family with veterans and whatnot. So I thought that's what I wanted. And then I got into the Grady Trauma Project and I learned, okay, trauma is more than just people who go off to war. And that's when I started really realizing that in that place, I also worked one-on-one -on -one with a lot of patients and clients. And I was like, this is emotionally, it was a lot for me. And one day I spoke with one of my mentors there and she was like, I work with a clinical population, but I don't have a clinical degree. Like I'm a research-based person. I was like, oh, wow, that's a path that like I can still do the work that I want to do, work with the people I want to, but not be in that, um, put myself in that emotional place. So that's how I kind of like fell into the research area more heavily. 
and not in the one-on-one -on -one clinical or therapist type of work that I originally thought I wanted. And so I think you guys definitely show like y'all don't, is there's no like one way to do this grad school thing um, and that your experiences can vary from person to person. And I think it's important for us to understand, you know, like what do you feel like you gain from these experiences, but also how do you feel like these experiences prepared you guys for graduate school? Because I know like V, you did kind of the working route and Dominique, you did more of the research route. So how do you feel like these experiences prepared you guys for graduate school? Also, um, I actually did clinical work for about seven months. And that's when I realized like it wasn't for me. So I, I got research jobs after that through my to my through my senior thesis, which also is important to to note that like when you get a research position as an undergrad, it's also good to do a full project like a senior thesis or like uh, something that exposes you through the process of writing. Because through that, I realized that I was good at stats. Right, like my advisor was like wow, like you did this on your own. And I was like, yeah, I thought that's what I'm supposed to do. And I, I think that helps you see your strengths. And I was somewhat confused about whether I was good at it. I think in research, there's always that feeling of like, I don't know if I'm good enough. Like I might like it, but I don't know if I'm good enough. So like realizing that like I actually had a strength in that area was good for me. And based on that, I got a master's in um, basically applied statistics. It's called research measurement and evaluation. So I wouldn't have to pay for my master's. I got a job at the university that offered it. So I, that's one loophole so that you don't have to get into debt uh, while getting your master's. And I think that helped me strengthen the, my application a lot for for grad school. I think pursuing opportunities that can enhance your strengths. And I think that's I would say that don't just do the part of like getting into a lab, but also get involved in t to the pro through the entire process. Because when you go to a PhD, that's probably what you end up doing anyway. That's really great, V. That's one of the things that I tell my grad students um, or my undergrads all the time is, and my grad students while they're shaking their heads. So, right. So you're working in the lab and you are contributing to this research, but you should also right, take agency and ownership over your own research as well. Talk to your mentors about carving out a small project that you can from their data to do a secondary analysis of a research question that you're interested in. So thanks, Vita. That's, that's really good advice. Okay. You going to share, Dominique? Okay. So with me, I felt like the path that I went on, so I applied straight out of undergrad and I did not get in anywhere. Uh, my GRE scores were low. I felt like I had an okay application, but as much as that hurt, getting so many reje rejection letters, y'all, like that was a lot all at once. But I feel like I needed that to kind of, first of all, in academia, there's a lot of rejection generally. So I think that experience alone kind of helped me build a little bit of thicker skin and just get used to that. And I decided to, in that second year of my postback volunteer some more because it's really hard to get paid research positions out there. I volunteered a lot and I was able, like we said, to ask my mentors and my PIs, like, is there data or is there a conference that like someone at my level could attend? Can I help you write with this paper? Um, and that turned into one of my mentors, like helping me write a paper on my own and 
just learning how to run stats on my own. And I think most importantly, learning how to troubleshoot. I think that when you're in your first year of grad school, it, everything's really overwhelming to begin with. But that second year of post like I learned how to troubleshoot and balance a lot of things all at the same time because I was in like that second year I was in like four different labs, only getting paid for one of them. And with that, I was able to like just balance each of those, not get participants confused and just like how to juggle multiple things at once. And I think that's been my biggest strength in my first and second year of grad school. I'm able to have a lot on my plate and still balance it pretty well. And I also learned how to say no. That's a key, really important thing. No, okay, I, I got this much on my plate, I can handle it, one more thing and I can't. So I learned the power of using the word no in that second year of my research and volunteering, and I'm able to use that now. I think if I were, if I had come in straight from undergrad, I would have been saying yes to everything, just like probably burned out by now. I think that's a good point. Um, I was thinking about that in that you, it's common for people to not get in when they first apply. I don't know if people actually know that. I don't know if people are aware of that, but like the super common to not get in. As Bree said earlier, it's really like our experience in getting in straight from undergrad is really unique. And so I don't want people to listen to this and think that, or just have this expectation that you're going to get right in because I mean, like no shade, but you probably won't. And that's fine because that's usually how it goes for people. And I don't know who said this. I think it was Julie. Hey, Julie, girl, I hope you listen to this. Um, but she was like, in academia, there's this like theme of not being wrong or being afraid to be incorrect. And like in grad school and just in your academic career in general, like you're going to get rejected. You're going to mess up. You're going to be wrong. And like, that's fine. That's I would say, like, if you're not doing that, then maybe you're doing something wrong, I would think. Um, so I like that you made that point. Um, I did want, because you mentioned your post back, and I know we want to ask you about, like, your actual application experience. But, Dominique, do you mind, like, talking a little bit about, like, the additional experience that you got when you did your post back, just in case people don't really know what a post back is and what that looks like? So a post back is basically after you graduate with your bachelor's, you want to gain some research experience. So you look for a post-bac position or post-baccalaureate, I don't know how to pronounce that word, position. Usually you want to find something paid because it's going to take up a lot of your time and you still have bills to pay. Um, unfortunately, those are very hard to find. So I was very lucky that my Dr. Adamson's lab at Georgia State, she kept me on for a full year and, that, and she was able to have me pay paid half time and during that first year so I was working half time with her and then volunteering in two labs at the Grady Trauma Project um, and that was pretty okay while I was doing that I still had another like real working job which was helpful then that second year after getting my rejections I was like okay I really need to find a way to make my application stronger and just learn more and at that point, um, I stopped working with Dr. Adamson's lab paid, but Dr. Sierra Carter, she was starting up her lab and she took me on as her research coordinator. And that was amazing because it was like, okay, I have one paid job, research job, and then I volunteered at the other three. But again, during that time, it, it was, you kind of have to hustle to find these positions sometimes. Like you have to have no, um, I don't know how to say this in English, sin vergüenza, 
um be how do you say that no English? shame no shame yeah forget no your shyness yeah yeah you kind of have to forget your shyness forget your shame and just like email everyone that you find that has some sort of interest similar to yours that you'll be able to learn and I think that's really important because I knew people who were just going into any lab that would take them and I get it you need to find the work that you can get but it it's so much more meaningful if you find a lab or a researcher who's doing something adjacent to what your interests are because that can help you one build on that interest or two realize oh this isn't what I'm actually interested in so it's meaningful and valuable in any way I think that was my post back experience it was a lot but like I accredit it to so much that I'm able to do now and I think it just highlights the importance of like getting that research experience you know like being able to have that experience and say I did these things and these are things that I like and don't like because when you get in graduate school most of the time you're committing like four to five years of your life and so you don't want to be committing so much time to something that you genuinely don't like doing so I think your experience highlights and UMB's experience highlights being able to like try it out you know being able to go out and be like hmm that's not my vibe and being fine with realizing that's not your vibe and going and finding what you are passionate about um, and I think that's one of the probably most important things and we'll probably touch on this when we're talking about like applying but finding your passion I think if your passion isn't driving you in this experience, then ultimately you're not going to be happy. Um, and grad school is not a place where you want to be not uh, unhappy, honestly and truly. Okay. It's hard, hard. So find yeah. happiness where you can because they say you be on the ground, and the passion is the only thing that picks you up, honey. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think like listening to y'all and then thinking about Bree and I's trajectory, like it's important also to make the note that like. You're going to fail and you're probably going to get in the first time and that's fine. But also, like, you don't have to rush. Grad school is going to be there no matter if you're 25, 35, 45. It's going to be there. So I feel like it's okay. I feel like just like in general, we have this theme of, like, wanting to rush in, into things and get things over with as soon as possible. But I think, like, it's good to know that it's okay to take the time to gain the experience that you need and figure out what you want to do. Because applying to grad school is expensive, Pooh. And so don't be applying just for the hell of applying. So since we're talking about that, um, do y'all two want to talk about like how you decided what programs to apply to, how you decided like what mentors you wanted to apply to? Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? I thought you were going to ask like how much it cost because I was about to get on the soapbox and just- You can also talk about that too. Girl, I spent- almost all of my savings the first time around only to get rejected and that was like so much money and like coming out of undergrad it's hard to have money like college students are broke and then to like spend all that money to apply and then be like get all of these no's oh hell no that hurt me so deeply so the second time around when I was like, okay, clinical is clearly not what I want to do. I've learned this through my experiences in my post-bac. I'm going to tailor my my research a little bit differently. And developmental is just something I've always been interested in, as well as trauma. And I, at Grady Trauma, I learned, oh, these two things can go together. And then what I ended up doing to find my mentor is I I went on APA's website, looked at the all the developmental accredited, accredited developmental programs, made a list of almost every mentor that seems interesting to me and there was this one person 
who I applied to the first year at UGA. Her name is Ann Schaefer. And I didn't get in that first time. And then I went, I realized, oh, wow, she's available for developmental as well. I didn't realize that the first time around. So it's like, I'm going to try this again. And she was honestly, you guys, my top choice from day one. Like I found her research. I thought it was really interesting. And I went ahead and applied and second time around it happened. And I was like, oh, damn, top choice. This is okay. Literally, when I got the letter from her, I took I like removed all of my other applications because I was like, I don't care anymore. And I don't want to get more no's to just make me feel bad. So I was like, and yes, I'm your student. Bye. Let's sign the papers. I'm good to go. So yeah. And I think that just highlights like all you need is one yes, honestly and truly. Like I, that was my rationale going into it. Like I told everybody, I just need a yes. Once I get a yes, I genuinely don't care what anybody else has to say because I'm going somewhere, you know, like, and I applied there. So part of me wanted to be there anyway. So you giving me a yes, then it's a yes. Like we're going and that's it. So all you need is one y'all don't think you need 10 plus offers to feel validated in your experience. All you need is that one, honestly. Mommy was my only yes. I only got one. So, and y'all still couldn't tell me nothing. So period, you just need the one. You need is one, baby. Period. Oh, and in my case, I I applied straight out of undergrad and I got an offer. Uh, but I I ended up turning it down because well, I was I was twenty, so I didn't feel like I was ready. Like I just felt like basically took a lot of um emotional effort to talk to people in academia like I felt like I was trying to be like an entirely different person and I think that was because of like because of my age I don't think I was as confident as I am now to the point where I felt like I don't know am I gonna be like emotionally abused in in grad school or something and I just decided to take time and like one year turn into like four years and I think that that was a good choice for me like being able to turn it down I cried it was hard but like at the end of the day, I thought it was a good decision because I became a lot more confident. I think I I would have put up with a lot more things had I not done that. Like now I'm much older. I kind of have made a lot of connections that can give me advice when I need it. And when I applied to UGA, I actually only applied to one program. So, and I I wanted to work with Anne, but also I I I think that was also because. I didn't want to put so much pressure on myself. I don't I don't recommend just applying to one program, definitely. Like apply to as many as you feel comfortable with or as many as you need, but also make sure that you do a good job at applying to them. Like if you're not a good fit for the person that you're applying with, it's better to submit like, I don't know, seven applications where you know you're going to be a great fit than try to try to fit yourself into 15 that maybe you're actually only a good fit for like two people. So I would recommend, like, my situation was, like, specific. I wanted to apply to more programs, but because of things that were going in in my life, I only ended up applying to one, but I guess it ended up working out, and I didn't go broke applying because it was just one. But I definitely look into applications that can help you apply for programs, look into things that will fund your research, your conferences, which will help you in the application process, which I think we'll get into, but... Don't don't force yourself. Don't stress yourself too much. We I know we we're gonna talk about applying, but I did like well, I didn't like that you felt like you had to 
you said when you got in the first time, you felt like it was like um, a lot of effort and you felt like you weren't able to be yourself. And I was thinking, I hope that in these episodes that people see that you don't have to fit this like box of what you think academics look like, especially for like black people and people of color. I don't know. I just feel like I, I hope that like people get from this that like you can still be black as hell and give a PhD. That's fine. Like, I don't know. I wish they could see us like me and Bree and mommy always have our nails did and I might say period. I probably won't say it in session, but I'll probably say it in class. You know, like I just hope that people feel that you don't have to. What's so like you ain't got a code switch. You can if you want to, if that's your jam. But, you know, you ain't got a code switch if you don't want to. Please. It just meant like the program that I got into. It was a great fit with the person, but the program, the location where it was, it was very different than what I wanted. Um, so I felt like I would have had to try to be somebody else. And like mentally, because of my age at the time, it wouldn't have been good for me. So, I mean, here now I don't care. Right. Like, but I think it's a maturity exposure thing that, that I gained through experience, more training and just not being so young that I cared a lot about what people thought or felt like I needed to prove myself. Now I feel like I don't need to. Or when I get in, even when I interviewed, I was like, well, if I don't get in, then too bad. It's, it's, I think, and that for me personally came with age. You guys are probably, were probably fine like five years ago, but personally, um, I think it's fine to turn things down that you don't feel happy with just because you want to check off a box that you get into a program. Like that's not healthy either. I think, and I was in that position, basically. And then you really highlight the importance of, like, knowing who you are and being true to yourself through this process. Because I think a lot of people go into this process just, like we said, like, trying to fit into this box or feeling like you have to accomplish all of these different things. And it's being able to know yourself and, like, knowing what you're looking for and knowing what you want. Because, like, I know for me personally, like, when I applied, of course, we'll jump into this, but like when I applied, I applied to like 16, 17 schools. And like, for me, it was like, okay, I need to do this because I know that this is where I want to be and I know I'm ready for this. But in hindsight, I wouldn't do it again. Um, and it's being able to really assess with yourself, like, you a boss, like you've done the work. So like, we don't have to, you don't need to do all this. Like, of course, yes, these schools and these programs are competitive but like you've done the work and somebody who really wants you is gonna get you so like know who you are know what you want and know what's best for you like for me I I said baby why did I apply to school in Nevada I'm from Atlanta like why would I go to Nevada come on like that don't even make sense for me so realizing you really have to be honest with yourself and realize that like there are certain things that are important to you location family friends food and keep those things important to you and don't change them just because you want to get into somebody's program. I think that made me laugh. And I was thinking about, you know how me and you are like opposite, right? So she applied to that many, but I applied to four and I got one yes. And she, my hotline was not blinging like Brie hotline was blinging, okay? It was all over my sis. But I say that to say like, it's not one way to do it. And no matter like how many schools you apply to or how many yeses you get or how many no's you get, you're gonna end up where you need to be regardless. So I think that's important to keep in mind. Like 
they tell you to apply to 12, but if you can't, like, I didn't have no 12 school application money, so y'all got the four out of me. And if I was going to get in, and that's what I said, I didn't even have a backup plan. I was just like, if I get in, if I'm supposed to get in, I'm going to get in. And if I don't, we're going to figure it out from there. But I think people think you're supposed to do it a certain way. You're really not. As long as you're turning in the same materials, you're going to get in where you fit in, Pooh. To kind of touch on that, that location you guys were all talking about, like, for, again, I'm not going to say my age, but I am an older student. Dominique ain't old, y'all. She not. They probably think you like 45 because you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm she also looks that. 20. So okay. if she would have been in grad school 10 years ago, she would have looked five. <laughs> but like I thought and I felt like a big pressure to but I needed to like be on be in high school, be in college um, by the time I was like 19, graduate at a certain time, get into graduate school at a certain time. Like I thought that was what needed to happen and like I graduated college later on simply because like I had to work to help out my family so I was a little bit off the like regular path but when I finally got into grad school I was like okay I'm x amount of years old and I'm okay like I'm it's okay that I'm a little bit older than the other students and I'm a little bit older than my cohort members like that's not a problem and I just feel like sometimes people think they have to be here at a certain age or a certain time in their lives. It's like, no, it'll happen when it's ready time for you. Don't don't rush the age thing. Don't care about your number. Okay, so we're talking about money. So with applying and okay, so you know it's expensive to apply, but then people don't talk about when you get the interview, who you gotta get to where you're going, and that's plane ticket. So how much money do y'all think you spend? Like the whole process i max out my credit card just applying to schools and i don't even know when i spent it was a struggle i was on uh i was low income i was on food stamps applying to grad school y'all so i was struggling so what how much do y'all think you spent? that's the five period don't okay don't let them tell you you can't come to grad school period i was on food stamps broke and now look hmm. how much do y'all think y'all spent well um you guys know me. I didn't go to an interview the first time that I applied unless they gave me money to go. Because why do I want to go to a program that's broke? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. She's <laughs> the next queen. V ain't doing nothing unless you pay her to do it. Period. So unless they um, gave me... Uh, by the way, I, I have volunteered at several places. I'm happy to volunteer my work, but I don't work for universities that they want don't me. Like, like, no, I just... Free. So the first time that I went I basically only went to places that were able to offer me some sort of uh, money. Like I remember applying to like seven programs and like, I think I got three or four interviews. I want to say I probably ended up spending like using a credit card probably and like to book the flights. And then when they reimbursed me for, it, I probably ended up getting half of that back. But between sending GREs and application fees, I probably spent like, 1500 or maybe 2000 it's a lot of money i spent about the same the first time around with gre and then i retook the gre gre is a scam i hate it those two things alone like that was a lot of money then they tell you that like oh when you take the gre you'll be able to send your scores to schools the first two are free Every other school you have to pay to send the GRE scores to them. And they don't tell you that until it's too late. So like 
I had to pay for all of that plus applications. The schools that I applied to, only two of them offered waivers on the fees if you wrote like a a, a statement of need, which honestly kind of made me feel a little bit bad because like I don't want to tell you the reason why I'm broke and what I've been going through. So like asking me to like just give all of that information and then you give me a rejection letter. Like I hated that feeling. But I think I spent the first time around maybe like $2,000, a little over that. And then the second time around, maybe I learned my lesson. I applied to less schools. I spent maybe like a thousand bucks, which is still a lot of money. Like that was, again, my savings. And that was all paid for through my job at GSU. And then for interview day, I'm in Georgia. I live in Georgia. So like I didn't have to travel far to get to UGA to interview. I bought a suit jacket and that was it. And I got that on sale using my, and my sister, like, I think my sister even treated me to it. She was like, this is your chance. Go buy something nice. Found a nice one on sale. And that was all that I spent. Dominique, you said the GRE and I got mad. Not you triggered me. Did you, hi, if you don't get nothing else from this episode, higher education is a scam. Okay. This is a scam. You need to tell me, I got to pay you. How much is GRE? $200? $300? To do algebra, we we don't even do that kind of math. Oh, I also don't be worried about the GRE. It's like not, it don't mean nothing. Seriously, and, I took it twice and I got like entirely different scores on both. Like, yeah. like basically I'll be like honest about my scores. Like the first time I did well on math and then I bomb verbal, like I'm a non-native English speaker. Like I just don't use the words that are in the GRE. So then I spend the rest of my time studying all these stupid words. And then I did better on that, but then my math score went down. So I'm like, if this is a reliable measure of who I am or what I know, then how come my math score went down? Even though the first time y'all told me I was, I was great at it. Like, it's just, it's just, I hope by the time you guys, whoever's listening to this, by the time you guys apply, we've gotten rid of this thing. Okay. Let me, we need to tell you how to finesse because you made me think about the suit jacket for my interviews. I went to JCPenney. I put the little suit on my card, tucked the tags in my clothes, and gave it right back after interviews because I didn't, <laughs> baby, because I wasn't going <laughs> to use that suit again. And I could take my little $200 back. Okay. Finesse. I have heard I didn't do this because I was too embarrassed and now I think that's stupid. I feel like I've heard if you email like the administrative associates in the programs and tell them that you're interested in applying, but you don't, you can't afford it, they'll waive it for you. Y'all better finesse these people. And Dominique's point about, I've had that happen too, where like they offer you rewards, but they want you to tell them how shitty your life was and why you're a poor black student. If that's your jam, you do that. I wasn't doing that because, like, I'm not about to recount my whole life and why I'm on food stamps and why I need money to go to a school to get a higher degree that you require me to have to do the job I want to do anyways. But there's definitely ways around it. Y'all better return them suits. You're not going to use them after that because I ain't want to suit since. And I got my money back and I got into the program. And I think for me, like, so one thing I, I would suggest for the people that are listening, if you're not, like, too far ahead is looking at your institution and seeing if they have like programs like rise or like mcnair or like programs like that because programs like that pay for you to take the gre and a lot of schools when you're applying waive your application fee because you're a part of programs like that 
So if they have programs like that, definitely get into them, do what you need to do. And they also help prepare you for graduate school. So that's what I did. So like I was able to finesse mine because like they only paid one. It was like, oh, we only pay for the GRE once. And I said, oh, well, I'm taking it again. And they was like, well, we can only pay for it once. I said, well, I mean, the goal is for me to get into graduate school, right? So hello. It was like, okay, well, we can pay for it again. Definitely thinking about stuff like that. Also realizing if you are applying to like psychology programs, especially if you're applying this cycle, most schools are not even requiring a GRE right now. So definitely take that into consideration. If you're applying like in a couple months, hopefully this podcast will be out before then. So y'all can like actually hear this before then. But if not, (laughs) for future reference, those are things that you guys can do. But again, like definitely doing the research ahead of time. So you're not out here poor and like broke as as heck out here doing this because it's a struggle and it's realizing you're not, I mean, like you're an undergrad. So financially you're not in a position where you can just go and be like, Oh, I got a bag to blow on graduate school. Like you're not in that position. And even when you get in graduate school, you're not going to have a bag unless you're V. So at the end of the day, just take it day by day, but really like reaching out to other people, talking to graduate students, listening to this podcast, because we're going to give y'all the gems to help y'all for real. So what is something, I guess we got our answer. So what is something that y'all wish you knew when you were applying? Like if you could tell, what they be saying, if you can tell your um old self, past self, whatever. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I think I would tell freshly graduated Dominique, it's okay to be rejected. It does not mean that you're not worthy of this career. Like, it's okay. And you can use this to build yourself up. You can do better. You can learn more. Like, keep taking advantage of the opportunities that come your way, but also keep searching for them too. But the biggest advice I would be would be rejection letters do not equal what you're worth. Like, And grad school in general does not equal what you're worth. I think that's important to remember as a grad student too. Like you can do all these great things, great papers, blah, blah, blah. But like you're still an individual. Academia doesn't, shouldn't be your only definition. Well, I I agree with what Dominique said, but I think going into quality of life in um, academia, I would say like I would have probably applied for like more sources of funding. Um, Like I, I applied in my first year and then I ended up getting funded, um, in my second year, but I would, I should have probably done that before coming just so that I had more experience uh, applying for funding and just applying for different ones to supplement what I currently have. Like, and that's just for your quality of life. Like I know a lot of people have to take out loans and I know a lot of people just kind of try to fit or live on the graduate school stipend. But I mean, we don't, we don't have to do that. There's so many other resources that we we don't hear about that we can apply for within the grad school asking the people that accepted you like what can you offer me what can you nominate me for learning how to negotiate hustle and just trying to maximize the resources that you have to improve your quality of life in grad school like economic hardship affects everyone but and we're not exempt from that in academia so try to you just said one of my favorite words that i'm not sure many people know 
going into grad school. I know Brianna does because I make fun of her because she was haggling me over $25. But you talked about negotiating. So how do you negotiate when it comes to getting accepted and then subsequently, right, accepting a graduate school? Because for some, right, they're going to have multiple offers that they're considering. Uh, well, uh, when I, I think the first one, I just thought about it and then turned it down. But when I got into UG, I think asking about what, what kind of resources were available to me or what kind of fellowships, what kind of, and if they don't have anything and you can always ask about like, well, do you have students who previously applied to XYZ or are you available to mentor me in the, and applying for these different projects that I want to apply for to fund my research? Um, and knowing whether your mentor is prepared to do that or talk to the grad students too. Don't go by what the mentor says because it's possible. I mean, you don't want to expect the worst of people, but it's possible that they could be lying to you about their time. Like I remember talking to Fonola, who's now Dr. Dr. R, but I asked her like, have you applied for funding? Oh, but anyway, you asked me about negotiation, but I, I went into a whole different thing. But, um, I've also, like just simply asked about like, is there, how can I increase my stipend? Like, I don't think it's reasonable for me to live on this stipend without taking out loans and I don't want that. And did they say no, they'll usually try to look for other sources. And there's also usually fellowships through the grad school that mentors can nominate you for. And then you can ask to see if they'll do that for you. And if not, then go the other other route. And that's how I got to the point of applying. Make sure that you at least have their support in applying prior to you agreeing to come to, to the program. I love how you framed it around questions. Brianna did the same thing. Um, so really just being curious about the program, right? So after you interview, you hopefully get an offer. But at the time that you get an offer, what that means is that that mentor now wants you. So as many questions as you can ask to learn more about the program, to learn more about funding, to learn more about opportunities for assistantship, to learn about incentives that they have for students that they're trying to recruit. So as much as you can use these words and just be curious about the program, when you ask those questions, what it does is it puts us, the mentors, in the position to then go back and scramble. So Brianna had me scrambling, right? So you have to, you'll go, go and <laughs> ask the dean. We'll ask, like we just said, the graduate school. We'll, we'll look for other ways to fund you that otherwise we might not explore. We might not, we might give to the students who do ask those questions, right? So when you think about, as Leticia said, academia in part being a scam, right? It's all capitalism. There are resources that we're delegating and having to move around. So as much as you as an applicant can take agency over the grad program that you're attending, by just asking curious, I think that that allows you at this stage to negotiate in ways that are non-traditional, but definitely can benefit you as a graduate student. I think... That's a good point, mommy. And something that I didn't know and I didn't figure out until like recently. My point was gonna be like don't play yourself. And I didn't know like applying like when, once you get like like yeah, you're you're asking them to look at you and you're applying to the program, but like once you prove that you're 
a qualified candidate like they like basically like they're courting you like they want you to come and so like you have more power than you think you do I think and I think that like goes into like once you get into grad school too I think and this is a problem that I had it's like really bad imposter syndrome and like comparing yourself to other people around you but like don't forget like they asked you to come they want you to come you know it's a small one they're paying you a stipend to be here and I think this is something that I didn't realize until later like second year is that I think during grad school you always gonna feel like what the hell am I doing I don't know what's going on and that's just like a common thing that I think we all experience but also like you have the necessary skills and you can adapt and you're smart and you deserve to be here and I think those are things that I didn't know at first and nobody told me, baby, listen, nobody told me I can negotiate. I didn't even know what a fellowship was until I got here. And everybody had fellowships. And I said, huh? I took out loans. So <laughs> I just feel like <laughs> that's important to know, too, because I just it was just exposure. Like I had just never heard of those things. So, yeah. Also, they can't take your the, the offer back once they offered it to you no matter what you say they can't take it back I mean be nice obviously but but don't be scared of them doing anything against you because again quality of life like you have to mention I'm not able to live on that um can you can you do this or can you help me do that and see how much effort they're willing to put into you and I think so funny stories because I know (laughs) mommy mentioned the $25 let me tell y'all something So when I was an undergrad, my mentor, Dr. Watson Singleton, everybody that I talked to was like, baby girl, you are black. You should not be paying for school. That's the message. That's the tweet. So I said, okay, nothing means nothing. I'm not paying anything, not a cent. So (laughs) she sent me, um, I think it was like a a fellowship letter or something. And (laughs) official on letterhead. (laughs) Congratulations, we got you funding, boo-boo. And she sent it to me and I said, $25? You want money from me? Oh, baby girl. Her tuition was reduced to 25 Tuition fees. Every- Hold on. I had to was pay redu- the $25. Was reduced to $25. Oh. And I still didn't take my $25 out. I mean, I, st- I still had to pay it. We didn't reduce it, but... It was the fact that I even was like, hey, girl, can we get rid of this $25? And It I- was mandatory. I wrote her back. I said, I everything, okay? <laughs> you have to pay $25. She also emailed me to check. She was like, are they also making you? You always have to check with the students. Cause okay, I always- said, I need, I need all the information because <laughs> somebody said nothing. So I literally meant that meant nothing to me. <laughs> Um, but I think for me, it was realizing that like, it is about negotiating, but grad school is a big finesse, you know, like you need, that's, that's what it is, you know, like, and realizing that hopefully students of color are listening to this and knowing that they need you more than you need them. So they have the money allocated for you. You just have to go and find it. Um, and I know a lot of students I have been in undergrad institutions where you had to go to financial aid every other day asking them for money. But knowing that that perseverance is what got you, you know, that scholarship or that funding. So those same rules apply in graduate school and that don't let these people tell you they don't have money 
when you're going to these huge institutions who have billion dollar endowments. Don't let them tell you they don't have money because they do have have the money and you gotta you gotta just gotta ask and you gotta keep asking and keep being annoying until they say here girl because that's what happened to me this year i we was annoying we said oh money you gave me the money last year what's up where it's at now and they was where'd it go this year you have a line item in your budget where's it going recruitment what happened to retention exactly and they said oh we'll just send a paragraph we'll send a paragraph they said here you go girl and i said Oh, easy so that's in regard to that but i think mind you the paragraph had to outline everything that she did in her first year so it is merit-based and you do have to yeah. live up to certain requirements and expectations but yes ask the questions apply for the funding, funding yeah. and just i think for me the one thing i would have told my past self is know your worth i think i was so scared that I wouldn't get into graduate school because like my mentor was like it's hard like when she applied and like a lot of people will tell you how difficult it is and so it kind of psychs you out and makes you think like damn I gotta go above and beyond in order for me to like actually be seen or whatever but like for me on the other side of it now I'm like hey I was actually kind of lit when I applied so like knowing your worth when you apply and knowing what value you bring to wherever you're going and not minimizing yourself or like fighting yourself about the work that you've done and the experiences that you've had because those experiences are what even got you to the interview portion you know so like realizing that you've actually done a lot and don't minimize it because you you know everybody else around you is kind of making it feel small or making it feel like it's unattainable Definitely know your worth and be able to say at the end of the day, baby girl, I'm good. I'm going to be good regardless. I did it and we here. Um, so that would be my one thing to tell myself back then. Were you made me think like, I think this is important for people to hear too, is like, even though people are going to try to tell you no and you can't do it, girl, bye. Because... When I brought my list for my mentor undergrad of like my my little music my little music for schools, and my um she sat me down and she was she was being helpful. She was like, I want you to know that what we talked about earlier, it's likely that you're not going to get in. And she talked about UGA our program specifically. She was like, it's a hard program to get into. Like I think you're capable, but I do want to prepare you. And UGA was the only yes I got. So. I did it anyway, so don't be listening to them people. They be telling you, don't paint your nails, don't wear certain colors to interviews. My nails was did in the interview and was 21 Savage sure was in my personal statement, okay? Uh... If you get me, you're going to get all of me. I was like, I'm not going to, what is it, shrink myself for you. I had a mentor who I was asking about my nose ring. Like, I think I got my nose ring for interviews. And she said, if they don't want you with your nose ring, you don't want to go there. So keep it in and show up. I think we've kind of highlighted our personal experiences. And we kind of told you guys, like, what it looks like for us. But I think we also want to drop, like, the major keys and, like, the major things you guys should know about applying to graduate school and just things across the board that are pretty standard. Um, so one of the first things is fit. 
I think that's the most important thing to talk about. And I think that's the most important thing you should consider when you're applying. Fit is most important. If not the, no, it is the, it is the most important thing because if you don't have, and we talked about this in relation to passion, but if you don't have the fit and you don't feel like there's that connection for you there, then it's just going to be a miserable five, six, however many years your program is like, it's going to be a miserable time. So making sure the fit is there. Um, Cause like for me, I can honestly say like when I interviewed with mommy, I literally was like, Oh, this is weird because it felt so like, right. And I was like, is this like normal or is this like, is she is like, do people do this? Cause it was my oh first. My Bri, did you have the thought of like, I was like, did other people feel the same way I did? Was she just like that with everybody? Yeah, and it, it was like, it, it, it was interesting because she said to me like, <laughs> Oh, when you, she was like, like when I was walking out of her office, she literally said, I'm going to get you here. And I said, man, everybody say that. I feel like everybody say that. And I was like, this lady was like, when you get here. And I was like, how many people, you know how you'd be talking to me? Like how many people have you told me? I said, you, okay. And it was interesting because like me and Tosin were, we interviewed for Aisha together. And so Tosin was like, well, how did your interview go? And I was just kind of like, oh, it was fine. But in my head, I'm like, girl, she told me she gonna get me here. But I'm not gonna say that because it's also realizing that like we applying to the same place. And so for me, it was just like realizing that the fit was there. Like there was no denying it. Everybody around me knew that that's where I was going to end up. I just needed to go through the process to actually realize that that's where I, like, this is where I was going to be. So definitely pay attention to the research fit. If you know yourself and you know what you're interested in and you know what work you want to do and who you want to help, making sure that you stay strong and stick to that, you know, like don't, waver on that just because you want to get into somebody's program because a lot of times that's not going to help you You know like if you're interested in mental health disparities and black people then stick to that don't change it just because a lab is doing mental health disparities in i don't know some other population like don't don't waver on what's your passion and your purpose don't waver on that um so that's when you're lying yeah like you can see it and we can tell because your story is not, let me not even tell y'all all that, but you know, just like when your mama know you lying, we know you lying too. Um, yeah, the fit, the fit won't be there. The Your research won't align, your prior experiences, your vocabulary won't be there. The flow that we had in conversation, mm-hmm. this. Yeah. And this just that like your application is a story. And I think that's important to note as well as that you have to determine what story you want to tell with your application. But in the story that you tell, you have to realize that, you know, it's, it's you, it's what you want us to know about you. And it's what brought you to this work, what brought you here, what experiences you've had that have brought you here. So making sure that whatever you say and whatever you tell us is not just something you just feel like we want to hear, you know, like we've heard it all. We've seen it all. So being honest with yourself, but being honest in that, like, this is your story. So if you're going to tell your story, tell your story and tell it to people that you genuinely want to hear it and read it. So those are kind of like major things as far as fit goes. Um, Also, when it comes to fit is the mentor. 
So for us, when we like when me and Letitia applied, um, I actually didn't have any students. So we had to kind of depend on people who were in like practicum with her, had classes with her, like V. Um, so we were in a very interesting position. But for us, it was like, okay, how how are y'all interactions with her? What does it feel like working with her? How is her, you know, mentor style? How is her personality? You know, like, what is she like? Because it's just like, like Letitia said, um, they're courting, just like they're courting you, you're courting them, they're courting you. You know, it goes both ways. And so you want to make sure, just like when you go on a date, you want to make sure the person you're going on a date with, y'all y'all fit, y'all match. Um, So you want to do that same thing with your mentor. Your mentor, not to say your mentor is your date, you know what I mean? But like, that's 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 gonna be your person for the next. We starting a relationship, so yeah, like it's a it's a new relationship. So you want to make sure that you dedicate in all the resources and the energy to make sure this is the right relationship, and that you're not you know pouring into an empty cup or pouring into a cup with a hole in it. Because I would hate for you to do that, and then you're upset. So definitely taking into consideration mentor style and mentor fit. To say something real quick about the mentor fit, like you guys had a different experience because like I actually didn't have any other students, but I got to meet with V, who is, we both have the same mentor if we haven't said that already. So like when I met with V, it was just like, I don't know, maybe it's the Miami 305 vibe that we both had, but like I just felt comfortable with her and I could ask her questions, even though I was still nervous because it was interview day. I don't, it just like, it felt right. I felt comfortable around her. And when I met with Anne, like similar to how you guys are describing Aisha, like it was just literally the first words I ever said to Anne were, hi, I'm Dominique. OMG, I love your Prince candle on your bookshelf. And like that just, we had a conversation after that. It wasn't about your CV or what you did or your research experience. Like we talked about TV shows and just like we just vibed it just felt right when I met with her and I had the same feeling with V so I think as well as getting that fit with your mentor if you have the opportunity to meet the current lab students um, talk to them ask questions and see how you vibe with them as well because you will be with them for a few significant years and that's going to be part of your support system and I think like I said there are a lot of keys that we could drop for you guys and you know, you guys should follow us, like we said, on Instagram at the Empower Lab because we drop some of these keys on our Instagram page. So definitely follow us for more of those keys. But one of the last things I think is also important to talk about is just kind of the program itself. I think that's important to take into consideration because, like we said, we talked about the mentor, we talked about you, but talking about the actual program and so making sure that you can dedicate the resources to looking at your program and looking at where you're going to be and looking at the climate whether the program is diverse looking at past cohorts you know like getting that information and being able to see whether or not that program is another instance where you need to look at fit and making sure that that program can give you what you need um, and prepare you. So like UGA's program is unique in that for us in clinical, like you start seeing clients your first year. Most clinical programs don't start like that. You usually wait until either your second year or whatever. So realizing that at the end of the day, you need to do the research on your end just to make sure you're not shortchanging yourself 
on the back end. So definitely sticking to that and giving everything you have into this process and also not being discouraged by the process at the same time. Like checking in with yourself and having your support system is one of the most important things going through this process. Like everybody said, everybody has talked about either friends or family that have been there for them through the process. So telling them like, hey, y'all, this is hard. Like this is not a joke. This is not a game. Like I genuinely had like my first panic attack ever applying to graduate school. So like realizing that it can be detrimental if you don't give yourself the space to be a better version of yourself um, going into this process. So definitely doing that. I don't know if you guys have anything else to say. Hey man, more of the story, you the shit, apply where you want to apply, tuck them tags in, return them suits, <laughs> got extra snacks and interview day, put them in your purse, email the, the administrative associates, get them fees waived, and put some respect on your name. Know yeah. that your application is the shit because you worked your ass off for it to be that way. When you get to the interview day, act like it. Period. Period. That's it. That's it. So, I'm going to take like two seconds to go over the... Oh, brother. The actual application components. So we touched on all of those. I just want to run them down for you guys really quickly. Only because I do think that it's important as you're collecting these experiences to think about what the overall goal is and how they will allow for you to get accepted into graduate school. So applications are going to require a personal statement, which is why you need to be mindful of your experiences and how they all work together, but also your transcript. So pay attention in class, make good grades, right? And then you're going to need three solid letters of recommendation. So that's when Dominique was saying, right, I got my good grades. My application should be complete. No, you're also going to need research experiences and hopefully people with PhDs in the program or the department that you're applying to, the degree that you're applying to that can speak to your research experiences, um, as well as your GRE score. And then the last major component is your CV. And a lot of you in undergrad might not have a CV at this point. So about that, I will just say it's an academic resume. So with that, you just compile all of your research, all of your clinical, all of your extracurricular activities, all of your awards, and it's a summary of you as a scholar. So what I'll say is gather all of your experiences as much as you can, reach out to other grad students, reach out to people who you see as mentors, and get their CV and look at what gaps you have in your own CV and get experiences that will allow you to build your vocabulary, build your training, but also build your CV in a way that makes you more competitive for grad school as well. So I just wanted to jump that really quickly. When are applications due? November, December? I think uh, UJ is November and there's other ones that are November and December, but I was gonna add to that point too about mentors, something that us people of color sometimes don't know. I mean, I don't know if you all get that, but emailing the potential advisors to just check about their projects or kind of even having a call with them is something that I had to be told to do and I was scared to do it because I didn't know what to say. Reach out to a grad student who has done that and ask them what, what to say and that can give you 
I've I've known people that do that and then they end up meeting up with this person in person, their potential advisor in person on a call, Zoom or anything. And I think that gives you an edge when you go to the actual interview. Agreed. And also, don't be sad if they don't respond because mommy sure as hell didn't respond to my email. When I did it, so. <laughs> they gonna some people going to respond and that's really good if they don't, if they do, but if they don't, don't. She's it's just busy. Don't take it personal. If I was going to say if they don't do it again, because I emailed her again. I said, hello. I know you did. did. I, resp- I responded I eventually, right? When I right. Said, hey, it, girl, I'm back. Um, I emailed you, and she was like, oh my gosh, I guess I just missed your email. And I said, you know, you did. Yeah, okay. And the irony is that now, Letitia's our recruitment and retention coordinator. So, I get y'all's emails and I read them over and the ones that excite me, I send to Leticia and I'm like, oh my goodness, look, your former sister and little brother's coming. What do you That's just work for her to <laughs> be with you guys and talk to you guys and um, impart some of this information and advice um, and really help you determine whether or not you're going to fit well with the lab as well. So as much as you hear us say fit, 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 it's true, and that's what we're looking for, someone who will mesh with us and our interests, but also our personalities and our styles and our vibes and the way that we try to do the work that we're doing in terms of reducing mental health disparities, doing social justice work, right, protecting Black youth. So as long as we're speaking that same language and we're able to to see that fit. Protecting Black women, we're doing it all in this lab. So... <laughs> Also, don't try to flex. Like you, you know, you see, you see us, but you don't have, you don't have to be us exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think we have given you guys a lot of great things to consider today. We'll probably end up having to do this again because we didn't even touch on a lot of stuff, but we gave y'all a lot of stuff as well. Um, so we really hope that this episode was helpful and informative, and you guys took away a lot from this episode and feel like I got it. We're going to be great. Thanks so much to V and Dominique for coming. Thank you guys for coming today. And if you guys have any questions, you guys can send them to us at the Empower Lab. You send it to the Empower Lab and you're going to be talking to me, sweetie. (laughs) Or one of us. Or it you know, we all run the Empower Lab email. So Somebody if you questions, yes, send questions to the Empower Lab Gmail and we will definitely respond to your questions. Or we may just have a question day where we respond to everybody's questions on the podcast. So we, we will see you guys later in episode three. You can do it. I know Turn you can. Smiles and giggles and glitter. Turn them suits, baby. You ain't going to need that suit again. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.